Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie. It's good to have you uh, here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer on God's Word. Uh, yay, backed in today. Good to have you here. I see Gus and Eileen as well. That was my Aunt Nancy, Michael, Grace, and all the rest uh, who are the silent participants. That's all fine. Those of you who uh, listen or watch later in the day, also, God be with you too. And uh, we're continuing our catechesis today talking about prayer, uh, but we're going to do so by way of Jesus's high priestly prayer from John chapter 17. It's the entirety of the chapter. And uh, <clears throat> it's a prayer that I think is rich in meaning and understanding for us, but because uh, the language is, well, I would say it's a little complicated maybe, or but it doesn't really need to be. It's only that Jesus um, speaks in a more Hebraic fashion that is according to the Hebrew understanding, and less in a linear kind of Greek way or Roman way. All right, but we'll talk about that. Yes, you're welcome for the morning prayers. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, verse 21. And our psalm, Psalm 135. Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down might many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to the, his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever, your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. 
O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right. This reading, of course, is uh, quite helpful because it connects us directly to what we call the high priestly prayer, uh, that prayer of Jesus uh, on the night he was betrayed, which we'll read here in a moment. All right. Um, let's see, anything else in there? No. But again, an encouraging word that Jesus prays for us before the Father, even in our weakness, even in our weakness. All right. So our reading then from John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the, wor into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, 
that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. And I suppose, amen, <laughs> would be an appropriate conclusion. Good. All right, Jesus spoke these words, right? Lifted up his eyes to heaven. Uh, when did Jesus pray this high priestly prayer? This is coming in the upper room. Uh, excuse me, not in the upper room. They've already departed the upper room. Um, Now on the night he would be betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Uh, So uniquely John gives us these words, whereas the other Gospels do not, right? And what was the hour that had come? You see, he says that there in verse 1. Jesus refers to my hour has not yet come, and now the hour has come, right? This is a we use the expression time in the same way. So you could say, Father, the time has come, right? And what is the time he's referring to? The hour of his sacrifice um, at the cross, right? And how would Jesus be glorified? Glorify your son. Think here of the famous Rembrandt paintings of Jesus's crucifixion, right? Where the whole world is in darkness and then the light alone shines upon Christ at the cross, right? So when he is crucified for us is when he's glorified. And how does this glorify the Father, right? That your Son may glorify you. It reveals the gracious love of the Father for all men. All right. Now, what authority was given to the Son? He talks about authority, as you have given him authority over all flesh, right? That is to give eternal life to as many as believe in him, right? So that's the authority to he has, and it's by way of the forgiveness of sins purchased in one with his suffering and death, right? It's not that complicated. He's got to untangle it here a little bit. Uh, What is eternal life? Well, he tells you, right? That they may know you, uh, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, right? All right. So uh, the immortal, incorruptible life with Christ in which there is no more sin, curse, sorrow, suffering, or death. That's eternal life. Now, um, what work, he says, I have finished the work you have given me to do. What work is he referring to there? It comes right after, I have glorified you on the earth. Well, that would be the preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, fulfilling the law for us, right? Um, Go all the way back to the beginning. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? John's words. John the Baptist's words. What had Jesus revealed um, to the world? He had revealed, actually, he's quite explicit about this earlier in the gospel. Um, Say John 1, this is what he says there. Um, 
For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here it is. No one has seen God the Father at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Right? And then also, um, later on in, in John 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. So it's the name of the Father who, who is love. And love is revealed in the Son, Jesus. Uh, what does Jesus teach us here in verse 8? Right? This is key. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and that they have, and they have believed that you sent me. All right. This is again back to uh, John one, which is the preamble, but it's quite explicit. The uh, explicit there. Excuse me. For example, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Him was life. Um, or excuse me. Uh, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? Uh, And then skipping forward, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Son, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right? So what is it that he has come to do? He came from the Father to give all his words to those who have been given to him. Got it? Right. So here he's, he's praying for the pastors. He's praying for the future pastors, these apostles. Well, they will be apostles, right? All through 9, 9 through 19 is our prayers uh, for the preachers of the gospel, all right? And then uh, 20 through 23, yeah, really through 26 is prayers for the hearers of the word, of the gospel. All right. So how does Jesus pray um, in verse, or how does, that's not the right question. How had glory come to Jesus through the disciples? Glory comes to the disciples by believing his words, right? Hearing the words and believing them is how God is glorified, right? That's how his glory is revealed. Um, Think of the angels at Christmas, right? When they sing glory to God on high and peace on earth amongst, right? And then the angels sing and they sing a word. And as the shepherds hear that word and believe that word, God is glorified. You see, glory to God in the highest. All right. Let me talk a little bit more about glory as we get closer to Christmas. Um, I think it's a, well, it's a word that isn't quite well understood. I think we say it all the time, but we don't actually maybe think about what it means. All right. How did Jesus pray there in verse 11? All right. So I'll highlight it there on the screen for you so you can see it, that the disciples would be protected. And they would be kept through um, the Father's name, kept through the Father's name, right? That's how they're. That's how you're protected. You have God's name put upon you. Uh, I forgot to answer this with the children. One of them asked as I was reading, "What what is a son of perdition?" Right? None of them was lost. Talking about the apostles or disciples sitting there before him, but none is lost except the son of perdition, which would be the one doomed to destruction. That would be Judas, right? for his rebellious uh, unbelief. What does Jesus entrust then to his preachers? Verse 14, I have given them your word, right? And how does the world react to the world, to the word, I should say? Yeah, the world reacts with hatred, right? Because they hate the, they hate the gospel and thus they'll hate the preachers of the gospel. These um, disciples and soon to be apostles 
need Jesus's prayers because they're going to suffer in the same way that he did for the same reason, because they preach forgiveness of sins freely in his name. All right. Why does Jesus say that they are not of the world? Verse 14. Yes, it's because they've been set apart as preachers of the gospel, a message that you will not hear in the world. If you hear it, it's a distortion of the truth. It's only heard uh, within the context of, of God and his word. Okay? Uh, if you hear the gospel in the world, it's being spoken by, by Christians acting outside of the world. Right? It's not a message the world itself uh, will give. All right, uh, protect them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. Who's the evil one, of course? The devil. Um, then he talks about sanctifying them, right? Sanctify them in your by your truth. Your word is truth. What does it mean to be sanctified? Well, we'll sometimes use a synonym like to be made holy, uh, but I don't know how helpful that is because that's another church word, right? To be holy is to be set apart by God for his good use, right? So sanctify them by your truth. Your The word of truth is what sets them apart uh, from the world and makes them um, instruments of God. In as insofar as they preach God's word and its truth and purity, they are sanctified. They are set apart. They are holy. All right, not without sin, by the way. <laughs> uh, and it's, of course, it's the word of truth and that sanctifies the preacher, sets them apart for God's good use. According to verse twenty-one, then. Uh, now we're talking about the hearers of God's word. What's the relationship of the preacher to the hearer who believes the word? All right? It's completely egalitarian before God, right? That they are one, that they may be one in us. So uh, sometimes this comes up when it comes to preaching uh, and teaching and the role of the office of the holy ministry. It's like, well, pastor, you're more holy than us. I wouldn't say you're, I'm more holy, but I am I'm holy. That is set apart by God for a particular use. But not more holy, you too have been set apart by God for particular use. Consider your life, uh, your place in life according to the Ten Commandments, right? Are you a mother, a father, son, or daughter? Are you a husband or wife? Are you a worker? Are you an um, employer? Are you a citizen? Are you a governor, right? God has set you apart in vocation and station in this life for his good use. Mine happens to be pastor. All right. Um, and of course, the role of pastor is quite important because it it is the it's God's um, mouthpiece in this world to gather Christians together um, into fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that we may be one, right, in Jesus. So uh, what does Jesus then mean in verse 22? The glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Right. Well, remember, what does he mean by glory? When is, how is Jesus glorified? By his suffering and death, by his crucifixion, right? So what is the glory that we receive? which was given to Jesus. <gasps> ah, yes, that we share in his cross and that we would also then share in his resurrection. Right? But it does include his cross. So God is glorified in that Christians um, suffer for the sake of the truth, and but may remain, remain steadfast even unto the end, receiving eternal life. Right? That is God's glory revealed in us. Hmm. Not big, build, impressive buildings, not... Um, lots of numbers, not uh, amazing music and um, liturgy or whatever, but it's that we bear with God, bear with one another in love, suffering uh, for the sake of the, of the truth of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, and remaining steadfast by the work of the Spirit, working through that Word until He comes again. That's God's glory revealed in us. All right. 
So there you go. So what's the basis of this perfect or complete unity that he talks about, that they may be made perfect in one or complete in one? We Our unity, what gathers us and keeps us together, is the love of the Father revealed in the Son and proclaimed in his word, namely that he died for the forgiveness of sins upon the cross and rose on the third day for our justification. That's our source of unity, and that alone. Right? Any other attempts um, to bring unity to the church will fail, right? Or flimsy and fall, will fall apart. Um, Jesus says as much, right? On Christ, and we sing it in the hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, right? Without that hymn being the uh, foundation, uh, the cornerstone of the foundation, uh, the foundation being the, the preaching of the apostles, um, the church cannot stand. All right. Uh, to that point, meditation then, all Christian unity is based upon Christ. Yet how do we know this Christ? Only through his word. So Jesus prayed that his church would be united around his word as it is preached in its purity and heard by the faithful. The church is, as any seven-year-old knows, quoting Luther, all those who hear the voice of the shepherd and follow him. That's from the small cult articles. Every seven-year-old knows Uh, where the true church is, sheep hearing the voice of their shepherd and following him. And what is the voice of the shepherd? It's the preaching of his word in sermon, liturgy, baptism, absolution, and the supper. We speak of the holy ministry because it is the preaching of the holy word of God, which sanctifies the preacher and his hearers. That preaching unites to Christ himself, those who hear by faith. Because the preacher and hearer both share in Christ's glory, they glorify Christ as they bear the cross in his name. I suppose that's an important corrective to make too, um, that uh, the office of the holy ministry is not just about the holiness of those um, serving in the ministry, that would be the preachers, uh, but also that the hearers of their preaching are made holy, set apart for God's good use by the preaching of his word in the office of the ministry. So, um, so who is holy in the office of the holy ministry? Who is set apart for God's good use? Both the preachers and the hearers are are included in that office of ministry. Okay. So helpful corrective there. Let's confess our catechism for this week. It's the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. What's the first petition? Hallowed be your name or thy name. What does this mean? Or how is, yes, what does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity. And we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. All right. Uh, One of the computers here is using a lot of internet, so uh, I'm telling it to be quiet for a little bit. All right. (laughs) For your sake. Let's pray the collect for this week. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by our, your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, 
for the tortured and oppressed and for those struggling with sin. See, we also pray for the households of our church, especially James, uh, Robert, Clarence, and Linda, Carl, Jackie, and Chris. Continue to pray uh, for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Pastor Moon, Ken, Norman Sandy, Kathy, Jim and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Continue to pray for our mission of the month, this month yet, one more day, the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord give us generous hearts to support their work. We pray the Lord to comfort us in adversity and give us true peace of conscience. We pray for those grieving, especially um, Barb and Gary at the death of Gary's mother, Verna, and of course their family too. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, we also keep in our prayer today, or remember in our prayers today, uh, a feast day. Today is the feast of St. Andrew, St. Andrew's Day. St. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was born in the Galilean village of Bethsaida. Originally a disciple of St. John the Baptist, Andrew became the first of Jesus' disciples. His name regularly appears in the Gospels near the top of the list of the Twelve. It was he who first introduced his brother Simon to Jesus. He was, in a real sense, the first home missionary, as well as the first foreign missionary, John 12. Tradition says Andrew was martyred by crucifixion on a cross in the form of an X. In AD 357, his body is said to have been taken to the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople and later removed to the Cathedral of Amalfi in Italy. Centuries later, Andrew became the patron saint of Scotland. It's said that they took some of his bones there, right? St. Andrew's Day determines the beginning of the Western Church year since the first Sunday in Advent is always the Sunday nearest to St. Andrew's Day. We pray. Almighty God, by your grace, the Apostle Andrew obeyed the call of your Son to be a disciple. Grant us also to follow the same Lord Jesus Christ in heart and life, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
there. So, uh, sorry for the glitch there with the camera. Eh, technology. These things happen, right? Uh, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. And uh, we'll see you again in the morning. We'll prepare tomorrow morning for our Advent midweek service. If at all possible, I encourage you to join us in person. 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, we'll begin with a hymn sing, and uh, then we'll continue with a, a brief service of the word and sacrament uh, to receive Christ's body and blood. All right. And uh, of course, it'll be on the theme. We're going to continue the themes we're doing each day, which is um, some catechesis, midweek catechesis on um, God's gift of prayer. All right. So we're going to continue with catechesis on prayer, but we'll do it in our evening service too. All right. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you tomorrow.